Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I'm very excited. We are in Love the Breeds Month here in October 2022 at Pure Dog Talk. And listeners voted on the Facebook page for their favorite breeds to be promoted, talked about, introduced to the world. And so one of those breeds was the Finnish Lapland. And so I'm being joined by Linda Martin, who's going to give us all the details on a fabulous breed that, as I mentioned to Linda, I really know nothing about. So this is going to be great. (laughs) All right, guys, are you planning your next litter of puppies Or maybe you just finished your foundation bitch and you're ready to start health testing. Embark, creator of the highest rated dog DNA tests on the market, offers specialized testing just for breeders. And while they're offering a few different tests, only the Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit was made to provide breed-relevant disease screening for your purebred dogs. It includes traits testing, such as coat color and body size, DLA diversity testing, breed ancestry, easy-to-download OFA submission reports, and the only genetic coefficient of inbreeding test available. Find out why thousands of breeders have trusted Embark to enhance their breeding program, including me, through screening for breed-specific genetic conditions, understanding traits, and identifying genetic diversity. To save on the most accurate, most comprehensive dog DNA kit, visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK to take $20 off a full-priced Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK. Welcome, Linda. How are you doing today? Great. Excellent. So give us the 411, a little bit of background about how you got started in this breed. It's not a well-known breed in the U.S. So what got you started down this path? Well, I've always been surrounded by spitz breeds of various types. My mother raised Pomeranians. Okay. So my introduction to dogs and dog shows was Pomeranians, but as quite a young child, I saw Samoyeds at the dog shows and fell deeply in love with them and begged my mother to buy me one for three years. All that smiling. she finally decided it was worthwhile. So I started showing the Pomeranians when I was 12. And I started showing my own Samoyeds a couple of years after that and was quite active in Sammy's for quite a while. And then in 1974, I think it was, oh, wow. there was an article in our Sammy magazine written by Bob and Dolly Ward, who are judges, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who went to judge in Scandinavia and were describing the breeds they saw there that weren't seen in the U.S., but were very Sammy-like, so mm-hmm. spritz breeds. Mm-hmm. And one of the breeds that they described was the... Finnish Lapland. And I was absolutely fascinated. I'd already read a lot of history on Samoyeds and mm-hmm. realized that they were clearly 
related, a related breed, but this breed was like full color, whereas Tammy's are just one color. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I was excited to see what I could do. Some friends of mine had just gotten AKC recognition for Bichon Frises. So I was very aware of the process and what would be involved. And I very pointedly and purposely set out to import Finnish Lapins and get them recognized by AKC. That is amazing. It took pretty close to 25 years to get it done. Are you serious? Absolutely. Wow. I got my first Lappy, actually looked for Lappies for 10 years before I got one because I couldn't find anybody that would export one to the United States. Mm -hmm. Back then, we didn't have internet or anything like that Mm -hmm. to them. Sending a dog to the United States was basically the same as taking it out and shooting it. It was never going to come back to them. They weren't ever going to see it. They probably Mm -hmm. weren't going to hear from me very Mm -hmm. often. It wouldn't be part of their gene pool because once they're gone and registered in the United States, at that point, because we weren't AKC recognized, we couldn't send dogs back to them. So that line, as far as they were concerned, was lost. Wow. So getting a dog was really difficult. Wow. That's, I mean, times have really changed to a degree. Yes. I mean, we're actually involved right now with trying to bring in a Basset Faux de Bretagne and honestly are encountering many of the same problems, but (laughs) wouldn't you agree the process of recognizing new breeds in AKC has sped up a bit in recent years? Yes. And gotten a little more logical. (laughs) When I first started, I mean, I had a breed which had a very definite well-recorded history, and we had multiple generations pedigrees. This was not in any way, shape, or form a created breed. Mm -hmm. Every dog I imported had at least a three-generation pedigree, which was an AKC requirement. Mm -hmm. We never had anything that wasn't three generations, Mm -hmm. and they still made us wait until we had 400 dogs in the United States before we could even take another step forward. When I first started working on importing Lappies, it was before AKC had the foundation stock service. Right. So it instantly became much easier once that got started, because it was quite the project to try to get the dogs registered with a privately kept registry. Right. So I was thrilled when AKC took over that part of the job, but they still made it incredibly difficult because their numbers requirements were just ridiculously high. Mm-hmm. Knowing that I was the prime person behind it, I actually made a conscious decision to try to breed six litters a year oh, so gosh. that I would produce enough puppies to meet the AKC requirements. That's I mean, a lot of work. I'm going to try to do it myself. That's a lot of work, man. <laughs> well, I actually never got that many. The most I've ever bred in one year was five litters. And yes, it's a lot of work. I'm glad I don't do it anymore. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So with that, now give us a little bit of history of the Finnish Lapund as a breed. How does it relate to the Samoyed specifically? And what were they used for? All of that fabulous historical detail. Finnish Lapunds obviously are from Finland, mm-hmm. but that type of breed is all over the northern part of Europe. Mm-hmm. So what actual breed you get depends on where in Northern Europe you are. Mm -hmm. So 
the Lapland part comes from Lapland, which was an area of Europe that was never a country, but pre-countries, it was a recognized area. Right. But it covers the northern parts of Norway, Sweden, and Finland. Okay. And so both Swedish Lapins and their cousins, Swedish Lapins, came from the Lapland that was either northern Sweden or northern Finland. Okay. And Sammy's came from also basically the same area, but it was Russia. So it's just the area you were in because these were nomadic people that were relatively isolated. So the breeds that formed formed because of the human isolation. Right. And what was their job? Is this the breed that was the reindeer herding? Yes. Yes. But Sammy's Lappies and Swedish Lappies all are reindeer herding dogs. Okay. As are Laponian herders. Okay. Which is a short-coated version of Finnish Lappins that is not recognized yet in the United States. But yes, all of those breeds were kept by the nomadic people and their primary job was to help herd the reindeer. Now, the dogs were multi-purpose. They were not exclusively bred as herding dogs. So we see differences in their temperaments because of that. They were also used to occasionally pull sleds. Sammy's Mm -hmm. more that direction did it that way than the more Western people. Right. And they were like alarm dogs. They hung out with the people. We all joke that we know exactly what a three dog night is. It's really cold. (laughs) And the dogs lived very closely with their people. And you can see that in their temperaments. All of those breeds actually are exceedingly people oriented Mm -hmm. because they lived in the tents with the people. That's amazing. And if you're going to be really, really cold, three Lapuns feels like a really (laughs) good thing to snuggle up with. (laughs) They would be. It's nice and toasty. Oh, my gosh. And so they're now here in modern society. They're not herding reindeer. What what do we do with Lapuns? They're in the herding group. Reindeer are really hard to keep in the South. Yes. (laughs) So we can't go out and get reindeer just so our dogs have something to herd. I know a lot of people that have like border collies. Mm -hmm. They think they ought to keep something for their dogs to herd. And we can't do that with reindeer. They apparently get weird diseases that are hard to Yeah, keep reindeer away don't from. do well. No. They need cold weather. So lappies have a very much a herding dog temperament. So they're easy to train. They like to do stuff. Mm-hmm. They have not nearly as much of a compulsive attitude as say border collies. Right. They're definitely loose eyed. Reindeer aren't afraid of dogs. Mm. So the lappies herd by barking. So they jump up and down and bark like crazy. And it's sort of the canine equivalent of a human shouting and waving their arms. So they basically annoy the reindeer into going the other way. (laughs) So they don't have the same style that we think of when we see herding dogs, especially in this country. Right. And they're not drovers. Reindeer are really smart. So if you wanted to move your reindeer herd, you train the lead reindeer. You don't bother with dogs. (laughs) So they use the dogs to keep the herd together. So the dogs work Um, around the sides and the back of the herd and they chase the stragglers back into the herd or annoy them until they go back. That's amazing. Okay. So, I mean, you're in the herding group. Do you compete in herding competitions? 
We do some, again, lappies are adaptable enough that you can train them to herd sheep and ducks and the stuff they grade them on when we do like AKC herding. Mm -hmm. I know of several dogs that have AKC herding titles or they're generally the lower end because again, the trials are basically for border collies and right. similar type dogs. Mm -hmm. And you literally have to train a lappy into doing some of the things they do because they're not driving animals. Their job was to keep the herd together and they're perfectly happy to do that. Right. I've had a bunch of my dogs tested for instinct. Sure. And if you just throw them in a pen with a bunch of animals, livestock, <laughs> right? Whatever type. <laughs> right. They'll gather them up and hold them against a fence. They don't try to move them, but they do try to keep them together. So that's the natural instinct that they have. Okay. I've worked with other breeds and the way that they expect them to work in herding trials is a dog with strong instinct gathers up the livestock and brings them to the owner. Mm -hmm. And I've only once had a Lappy do that. <laughs> he walked in, looked at the sheep, said, hmm, these are really nice. I think I'll take them to mother. And so he did. <laughs> that is so cute. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, you guys. If you are part of a national breed club in the U.S. or Canada, I need you to listen up. My partners at Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet, have just launched a super exciting national breed club referral program. I mean, I'm saying, you guys have heard me talk about Trupanion's breeder support program before, and this is what gives you access to a special coverage offer for your litters that waives waiting periods for your puppies when you send them home. Now you can partner with Trupanion directly to share this incredible free program with the breeders in your club. And the best part, your club earns sponsorship support in return for every member that joins the program. It's pretty much of a win-win, guys. If you're interested and want to learn more, head to my partner page at puredogtuck.com and click on the link at TruePanny. So how are they to live with? I mean, are they a barky barky? I mean, am I going to have one in a high rise in Manhattan? I mean, <laughs> they have a reputation for being barky because that's how they herd reindeer. Mm -hmm. But if you're not activating that kind of instinct, they're generally not all that noisy, in my opinion. Mm. I easily teach mine to be quiet when I want them quiet. Mm -hmm. Novices sometimes have trouble teaching them to be quiet but it's more because I don't know what to do. I right. don't exactly blame the dog for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. So how are they? I mean, they're smart. They're obviously biddable. Are they a blow coat twice a year kind of grooming operation like yes. many of the Northern breeds? Okay. Mm -hmm. Their coats are quite coarse. And so they don't mat up all that mm -hmm. easily. And I'm not saying they can't because they certainly can if you don't mm -hmm. take care of them at all. Mm -hmm. But they're not, for instance, since I have experience in semis, they're not nearly as hard to keep groomed as a Samoyed is. Okay. So brush them once a week. Yeah. Good. And once a day when they're actually shedding. Right. I mean, that coat blow. Woo. Boys will and spade bitches will shed once a year. Mm. And intact girls will shed twice a year mm -hmm. with their heat cycles. Right. Yeah. Pretty normal. And so 
if you're having established this breed in the U.S., who is your best owner? Who makes a great owner of a Finnish Lapland? And who do you say, you know, maybe not for you? Well, the apartment in Manhattan in general, I would exclude, although I actually have a dog that I sold to somebody that lives in an apartment in Manhattan. Of course, they also have a summer home that they can go to. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And they're committed enough. And this is what really makes the difference to take the dog twice a day someplace where she can run. And that's exactly what makes the difference. That people that want to have a lappy in the apartment have to realize that that dog has to get out and get some exercise. It's a real commitment to do that. So in general, I look for people that have a fenced yard that... Mm -hmm. We know it'll be easy for them to let their dog out to run, right. to exercise. And so are they high energy, high drive? How are they in that scenario? The thing I like most about Finnish Lapins is that they have a great on-off switch. Oh, okay. Particularly as they get older, they mm-hmm. adapt themselves to the routine of their family. And if their family mainly sits around watching TV, that's what they'll do. As youngsters, they tend to be quite busy, and you may mm-hmm. have to actively teach them that they have to be calm at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give them a place command, something like that. Exactly. Right, right, right. Okay. And so, relatively low maintenance grooming, reasonable size. What are they? About 40 pounds? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, reasonable size. Girls are 30 ish, boys are 40 ish. Okay. No dog aggression issues, people aggression, don't really run into that or do you? Never aggressive toward people. That would be a horrible, horrible fault in the breed. Okay. They're in fact quite submissive toward people. Oh, interesting. It's something we have to train them to not do. Stand up. At dog shows. <laughs> right. We have to right. teach them, yeah, that they have to stand up because they're far more inclined to roll over on their back when they meet a new person. Wave their feet in the air. Yeah. Rub my tummy. Yeah. There is some minor aggression in males toward other intact males, mm-hmm. but it's actually not particularly typical. Okay. My active stud dogs can run together. Okay. I mean, it's not an across the board rule, but I very rarely have one that's a problem. Good. Okay. So really a nice and not very well known in the U.S. You know, they're not a common sight. Yeah, we're trying to keep them a secret. (laughs) So talk to us about some of the health and longevity. I mean, how long am I going to have this dog? And are there any particular health tests or health concerns I should be aware of when I'm talking to a breeder? Breeding stock needs to be tested. We have genetic tests for PRA Mm -hmm. and retinal folds. Mm -hmm. So eye diseases. Mm -hmm. And a couple of metabolic diseases. Okay. So those should all be tested in breeding stock so that you know that you're not creating more. Mm -hmm. And of course, we x-ray for hip dysplasia and do eye checks. Mm -hmm. We also check elbows and patellas, although they're not often a problem. I've seen a handful of dogs with patellar problems, and I've only know of one dog in 30 years of owning them to have an elbow problem. Okay. So basically a healthy breed. They are. And in general, I would say they live to be 15. Mm -hmm. Some of the things you see online will say a few years less than that, Mm -hmm. 12 or 13 or Mm -hmm. whatever. My dogs typically live to be 15. My oldest that I have right now is 15 and a half. Excellent. 
Excellent. And so herding isn't really one of the games you play with the AKC, but I would assume things like barn hunt and farm dog and some of the other more companion events are really good. They love to do tricks. They're very smart. So it's fun to teach them to do tricks. So we have lots and lots of dogs with trick titles. Mm -hmm. They don't take like many spitz breeds repetition very well. Mm -hmm. So formal obedience takes a talented trainer because you can't just repeat it over and over again until you both figure it out. They do really well in agility, although they're not the fastest dogs in the mm-hmm. world. They tend to be more reliable, consistent than the agility right. dogs. Mm-hmm. They love doing lure coursing. Mm-hmm. I have several that do lure coursing. Mm-hmm. I like to chase things. There you go. Most of them, however, love the rats. We do barn hunt yeah. occasionally. I was going to say barn hunt. Yeah. And they're finding their friends as far as they're concerned. I'm like, oh, the rat's lost. Let's find it. So a really low prey drive breed is what you're telling me. In general, I have an occasional one that has a strong prey drive Mm -hmm. and will catch mice. For instance, I live out in the country. Mm -hmm. So I've had a couple of, they're always girls that catch mice. But other than that, there's not much prey drive. And they get along beautifully with anything they're raised with. I sold a puppy to a family that the young girl had ferrets and she was really worried about her ferrets. And I said, get the ferrets out and show them to your baby and tell them they're family members. Mm -hmm. And now the ferrets like sleep on the dog. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not a ferret fan. Okay. I love it. Well, this is sounding like a really interesting breed. So again, we talked about the consistency of exercise making sure. Is there anyone that you would just say, no, no, this isn't going to be a good fit for you? I occasionally try to discourage people that are not established in their home because Mm. I know they're not going to have enough time to spend Mm. with a dog. Mm -hmm. So recent college graduates, for instance, Mm -hmm. I think they have the potential to make an excellent home, but they really need to get established in their life before Mm -hmm. they add a dog to it. Okay. Kids. Oh, they love kids. I'm thinking this has got to be a kid breed. (laughs) (laughs) I always caution people to not think dogs are babysitters because they're not. But Lappies love kids. They think Mm -hmm. kids are the greatest thing ever. Even my dogs that aren't normally around kids just go nuts when they see kids. They're like, oh, people are size. (laughs) Mine think of them as portable vending machines. (laughs) Exactly. If you push it, a kibble comes out. I'm sure that's how that works. (laughs) Oh my God, that's fabulous. All right. So if you had to sum up the Finnish lap hunt in three main words, what do you think? Smart, lovable, and fuzzy. I was going to say fluffy. (laughs) (laughs) They're floofy. For all those people, that's like that word, right? They're floofy. Lots of floof. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. They are great to cuddle with. Yeah. I'm thinking if you like to be warm, they would be a wonderful snuggle bunny. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Exactly. For the person that's always cold. (laughs) I live in Memphis. So we actually keep our house cold for the sake of the dogs. So they snuggle up with us a lot. I like it when they lay on my feet. Oh my God. That's fabulous. All right. Well, Linda, thank you so very much. I really appreciate your time and sharing your passion for this breed and your dedication to preserving the history of Lapland. Thank you. 
Excellent. Thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Revival Animal Health is a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. Revival Animal Health understands your commitment as a dog breeder. And now is your opportunity to learn what so many breeders already know. Revival is the place to turn for all of your dog breeding needs. During October, save $10 on your order with Revival. Just keep listening and find out how. As the pet vaccine experts, Revival is number one in selection for all your immunization needs. Now with Spectra vaccines. Breeders trust Revival to protect their moms and get their puppies off to a strong start. Shop Revival's complete line of breeding products from pregnancy, whelping, and newborn care to Revival's own reproductive and neonatal health brand, Breeder's Edge. Visit RevivalAnimal.com and save $10 on your order with code PUREDOGTALK. That's code PUREDOGTALK. This offer is good through the end of October. So remember, code PUREDOGTALK will save you $10 on your order only at RevivalAnimal.com. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. Pure Dog Talk patrons support the work we do here by contributing to our crowdsourcing campaign. In return for the generosity that keeps the MP3s rolling, patrons acquire special access opportunities and perks. The most recent addition for our patrons is Pure Pep Talk. These weekly mentoring messages are quick, upbeat, actionable tips and tools for your tech box. Visit www.puredogtalk.com backslash patrons to find out how you can join the best community in dogs. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 